This Shabbat, we have a fantastic honor, not only in celebrating an upruff of a beautiful couple and celebrating the B'nai Mitzvah of two fantastic young leaders in our community, but also in the ability to learn today from one of the leading thinkers in Israel, Giddy Grinstein. Today, I'd like to share his bio with you and then offer just a brief thought personally about Giddy. Giddy Grinstein is the founder and the president of the Reut Institute, which is a nonprofit and nonpartisan organization that works to be one of the most effective forces of change in Israel and in the Jewish world. Reut works to advance Israel's social economic development, societal innovation, and to ensure Israel's security and prosperity within the framework of 21st century Zionism. Giddy previously served as the secretary and the coordinator of the Israeli delegation to the peace negotiations with the PLO in the Bureau of Prime Minister Ehud Barak. He also played a critical role in designing the Birthright Israel program, which established and, and led the Israeli team that transformed the original vision into what Birthright Israel is today. His first book, Flexigidity, The Secret of Jewish Adaptability, was published in 2013. Giddy holds a master's in public policy degree from Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government as a Wexner Israel Fellow and a BA in economics and law from Tel Aviv University. He served as an economist in the Israeli Navy and holds the rank of captain. Giddy resides in Tel Aviv with his wife Betty and their five children, and Giddy is an avid marathon runner. I will tell you that I've had the blessing of knowing Giddy for some time and listening to him speak on numerous occasions. And from the very first time I heard him speak seven years ago to this time, each time I am blown away at the sense of optimism, drive, and the creative angle in which Giddy looks at modern Zionism. It's an infectious, an infectious role that he has that shares opportunity with us as opposed to just weakness. And to me, that is where growth comes from. Every summer, for the last six years, I've been studying in Israel at the Hartman Institute. And this summer, I had the blessing of taking a course with Giddy, who taught there, mainly on the core components of the book Flexigidity. And to me, it was one of the many treats in which I have studying at Hartman, where I could sit at the feet of someone who I believe is one of the major agents of change in Israel today, and who offered teachings and lessons and blessings onto how it is that Israel will become and has become the country that we all dream it will be. To me, that is an incredible gift, and I am so honored that we are sharing that gift with our congregation on this Shabbat. Without further ado, it is my honor to invite forward to our Bima to teach us this Shabbat, my teacher and my friend, Giddy Grinstein. Thank you very much. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Rabbi Kirshner, I apologize I don't know all the names. Rabbi Sherlock Moses, <laughs> cantor singer, other cantors, um, President Tokman, and the, and the other leadership of this community, great community, Samantha and Jack, and the family that you are the product of. Um, 
Barry and Blake, the family you build and they came from, members of this great community. Um, you know, one of the great privileges of my work is that I get to visit many communities. And you walk in and you see beauty. And look at this beauty. And some of you may not take the time to look up or look around. But when I walked in yesterday, it's really awesome to be here. And um, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Um, on July 4, 2010, nothing to do with, the, uh, with your July 4, I embarked on a journey. My journey was to answer a simple question. What is the secret sauce of the successes and failures of the State of Israel and the Jewish people? And this journey led me to the publication of my book, Flexigidity, and today it brings me to this bima. The journey has been really an interesting one, eye-opening, life-changing, formative, because the deeper I dug into the secret of the success of the State of Israel, the more I find myself dealing with the secret of success of Zionism. And the deeper I dug into the secret of success of Zionism, the more I find myself dealing with the secret of the survival, resilience, prosperity, and leadership of the Jewish people throughout the generations. So the answer to this great question stems from the inherent capacity of our people, the Jewish people, to evolve. It stems from our adaptability. Some people associate adaptability with moving forward with confidence, embracing innovation, change, anything new is good. But in fact, adaptability is about a hybrid between new and old, innovation and tradition, flexibilities and rigidities. And that's how one day while I was running, it's a major theme in my life, the word flexigidity popped up in my mind to sum up my entire argument that our survival stems from our ability to be rigid and flexible at the same time. I realized that Judaism evolves through the tension between the conservatives, small c, not conservative movement, the conservatives, the orthodox on the one hand, and the reformers, on the other hand, those who reject change and those who embrace change, who are interdependent and interconnected, the whole society, so that the interaction between them optimizes the pace of adaptation of our community. Not too quick, not too slow. That optimization is what ensures our survival and security, prosperity, and leadership. And today, as an example, just an example, I want to focus on the idea of chesed, on acts of giving kindness, which is the characteristics that Eliezer, Avram's servant, was looking for, the one thing he was looking for, for the woman who was supposed to be the wife of the first Jewish boy in history. Just think about that. One thing of everything, chesed, that's what he was looking for. So I want to speak to that and use this idea to show you how the flexibility works. So first, <clears throat> sorry, I want to look at this idea of chesed as a turning point in the evolution of the Jewish people, in the adaptability of the Jewish people and turning point in the flexibility of the Jewish people. So let's try for, to imagine for a moment the dramatic days that are following the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem in the year 70 in the first century. Just imagine the crisis and the drama. And if it's difficult to do that, just think about Washington disappearing, right? The Congress no longer there. White House not up. Foreign forces taken over. 
the center of political power, societal power, religious activities, and all that ruins, lays in ruins and ashes. But out of this calamity came a new kind of Judaism, and it came from a different place. It came from the city of Yavne. That Judaism was Torah-centric and not temple-centric. It was centered on the Torah and not on the temple. It was led by sages, rabbis, who had the power to interpret Lidrosh and to innovate Lechadesh, to renew, and not by the priests, okay, who, the Kohanim, who had the monopoly over the execution of the acts of sacrifice in the temple. So the temple is gone. We need to reinvent ourselves. And such great revolutions in Jewish history, we transcended a dramatic crisis. We, we reinvented ourselves. So such great revolutions actually begin with an idea, which is then developed into an elaborate system of language and institutions and practices and even customs, minhagim and laws, chukim, <clears throat> and some of them may even be sanctified eventually. So chesed was one of these concepts. And they were used in order to drive the dramatic transformation of our people from calamity to renewed prosperity. And I was reminded of that when I read the wonderful commentary, and I really recommend that, of Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs' weekly commentary. And he writes about ethics in Judaism. And in this weekly uh, commentary, he wrote about Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Joshua who are walking in Jerusalem. So they're seeing the ruins of Jerusalem. And Rabbi Joshua, what does he see? He sees the disaster. And he's, he cries, he weeps, he says, we're not going to be able to do sacrifice. There's no temple, there's no Kohanim, there's no priests. And Rabbi Yochanan says to him in return, he says, do not grieve, it's a quotation, because we have an alternative way of atonement. As the scripture says, I desire loving kindness, chesed, and not sacrifice. So this little idea was the beginning of Judaism as we know it today. In other words, in the moment of great calamity, it was the idea of chesed that was central to the reinvention of our people. Centuries later, that idea became so central to Judaism and to Jewish life and to Jewish religion the Jewish communities all over the world had an elaborate system of institutions for taking care of the needy, the sick, the homeless, the dead, the prisoners, the children. In other words, what was a radical innovation in the second century, emanating from the absolute flexibility of mind and intellect, became rigidified in our laws, in our halakha. And today, there are many among our people who actually don't even think it's necessary anymore. So we've gone a full cycle of flexibility, from flexibility to rigidity. And I just want to mention, all of us to note, that the two things that Jack and Samantha spoke about today as, the, as their Bar Mitzvah project were associated with the idea of chesed. 2,000 years ago, they'd probably gone to the temple and made a sacrifice. Today they're doing chesed. And you see it. The second thing I want to speak about chesed has to do with what I call the flexibility of mission of the Jewish people. So first of all, what is rigidity? Rigidity stems from the fact that our people has four founding stories, each of them fully coherent, carrying with it distinct set of values, identifying who is a hero and who is a villain. Every story does that. Emphasizing different holidays, 
and being serviced by specific structures and institutions. The four stories are the story of nationhood, which is a story about us being a community which has a place on the face of this earth, which is the land of Israel, to which we've been loyal, and we've always sought to return to this land until we were allowed to do so over the last 120 years, 130 years. The second story is the story of peoplehood, that we're a family, we're a tribe, we have a shared history and a shared destiny, and we have mutual responsibility that transcends the differences in ideology, in perception, in wealth, and poverty, etc., etc. The third story is that we have a mission to humanity, to be a light unto the nations, to be a model society. And the fourth story is the story about faith and covenant, that we are a religious community, together and separately, in a special relationship with God, all of us, all of us in, in, bound in that relationship. Now, what is the flexibility here? So four rigid stories, right? Flexibility stems from the interaction between these stories. And all of them emanate from Abraham. And they are present in the Parsha of this week. Okay, so therefore all of these stories are ever present in Jewish people. And together they provide a menu of options so for each and every one of us to associate with the Jewish people. An essential fallback also when we're disillusioned. So if we're disillusioned with the idea of religion, we can embrace Israel. If we're not happy with Israel, we embrace peoplehood. We move to Tikkun Olam. We can gravitate all the time, embrace new stories. Tremendous flexibility. So some of us in this room, I'm sure, are more peoplehood Jews. We care about Jews all over the world. Some of us are nationhood Jews. We love Israel. That's what defines us. Some of us are Tikkun Olam Jews. And some of us are people of faith. That's what determines us. And this flexibility of mission was inherited by Zionism, and it has been essential for its success. And it is found in the Declaration of Independence of the State of Israel, and the, these stories continue to shape Israeli society today. This is also the reason, these four stories, why so many diaspora Jews can associate with Israel, because each and every one of you can find in Israel that which is important to him or her. And the partial of this week speaks to all four of these stories. First of all, it obviously speaks to the story of peoplehood. By the fact that Avram will not marry his son to the foreigners of the land of Israel. He sends his servant to marry people from his family. And he ends up marrying a cousin, a second cousin. Second, it speaks to the notion of nationhood. Since it relates to bringing Rivka to the land of Israel. A land which Avraham, by that phase, would not leave at any cost. And when his servant asks him, can I take Isaac to the foreign land? Avraham says, no, you will bring the wife to this land. Story of nationhood. It is really a deep story of deep religion and faith. But it also speaks of the, to the idea of being a light unto the nations. Because when commanded to choose an adequate, adequate wife for Isaac, the first Jewish child, the one criteria is chesed. And this is really a profound point. The chesed, which is expected from the future wife of Isaac, is not just within the family. It's not chesed between friends. It is chesed that stems from deep humanism, just like as Rabbi Kirshner spoke here a moment ago. It is a chesed that stems from seeing the other. It is a chesed to the stranger. And not only to the stranger, even to the animals. And this is the Bible 36 centuries ago. To the animals. 
It is about the ability to see the full picture and then to respond with an act of giving kindness. Act of giving kindness. Again, mentioned earlier so eloquently. In other words, the message of this parasha is that chesed, these acts of giving kindness, and not sacrifices, or religious rituals, or nationalism, or tribalism, are at the core of Judaism. That message echoes strongly through the text, and I believe that this message is greatly important, not only for the diaspora communities, but also for the state of Israel. It is the ethical qualities of our societies in Israel, demonstrated in how we treat the poor, the needy, the sick, the stranger, the minority, most of it is Arabs, that will determine the fate of our nation in Jewish history. Furthermore, my team in Reut and I believe that now, for the first time in history, the Jewish people and the state of Israel together in partnership can actually improve the lives of hundreds of millions of people around the world. It's the first time it's available to us. And therefore we can make a significant and distinctly Jewish and Israeli contribution to humanity. And our vision for Israel and for the Jewish people is to affect the lives of a quarter of a billion people within a decade. We believe it's doable for the first time. Finally, I want to speak just for another brief moment about the meaning of chesed. What does chesed mean? In other words, what does it mean for us, Israelis, Jews, separately and together, to be a society of giving kindness, of chesed? Here too, we can see the wonderful flexibility of, the, of Judaism. On the one hand, there is rigidity. And what is rigidity? There are some basic acts of living kindness that are rigidly universal and eternal. Shelter to the homeless, food to the hungry, assistance to the poor, visiting the sick, comforting mourners, dignifying the dead. Rigid, everywhere, anytime, Jews, non-Jews, undisputable. These acts all emanate from the notion, the Jewish notion that we all created in the image of God. On the other hand, there's flexibility. The answer to this question about the meaning of chesed is permanently evolving all the time as the world changes. Technology changes, politics changes, economics changes. For example, what does it mean to do chesed when there is the internet, when there are 3D printers that can print human organs, or when you have an enemy that wants to have a nuclear bomb? These are all big questions. In our parasha, Chesed was executed by a very simple act, giving water and then hospitality. Nowadays, I can tell you that our team in Root is working to design and build, using 3D printers, extremely affordable, meaning very cheap, products that solve acute needs of disabled people and make them available for anybody around the world. This is for us an act of Chesed and Tikkun Olam, 21st century. In other words, the practical meaning of Chesed changes with time, but the idea of chesed as a fundamental trait of society is universal and eternal. But now, how do we know what is the right way to do chesed based on our tradition? Well, we do so through the process of interpretation. We look at the rigid text, the Torah, which cannot be changed in shape or sound. On the one hand, we look at the ever-changing reality on the other hand. So here we have the Torah, rigid, and then the ever-changing reality, very flexible. And then we try to bridge the two, right? 
And we do it through an intellectual enterprise. And one of the most wonderful tools that our tradition gives us to perform these gymnastics, international intellectual gymnastics, is the Dvar Torah. So every Shabbat, Jews all over the world are exercising their brains. And they are exercising it in trying to bridge the rigid sources with the ever-changing reality. It's a wonderfully, just think about it, democratic process. It doesn't come from the top. Anybody can participate. And a key area where this exercise is performed relates to our commandments to understand the meaning of chesed in our time, in our place, in our economic condition, for ourselves, for our nation, for our communities, for our families, and for our people. In doing so, individually or as a community, we're not only enriching Judaism and serving our people and nation, the state of Israel, but we're also enriching humanity and making our little service to the mission of the Jewish people to be the model society and to be a light unto the nations. And with that, I'd like to close with the following saying, with the following, that I'm deeply grateful for the opportunity and the invitation to try to modestly do so here from this bima with this great congregation. Shabbat Shalom.